Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rock Podcast with Box and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our Fat Life page, Rope Podcast. I am Fox the Rigger, and she's Maya the Rope Bottom. We've been rope partners for a few years now, and we're very excited to share our passion for rope with you from our home in Bangkok, Thailand. We are, and today we're going to talk about the concept of active bottoming in rope. That sounds interesting, Maya. So why are we and what does it mean? So active bottoming is a concept that I encountered fairly early in my rope journey. Uh, Fairly shortly after starting rope, I, I started hearing people talk about active bottoming in rope. And back then, it was pretty clear what that meant and everyone seemed to agree on the definition of it. But more recently, more and more, I have encountered people who use it to mean something different. So today I wanted to talk a bit about what you may mean by active bottoming and what other things that can exist peripheral to that. And also what might be the pros and cons of what I've been taught was active bottoming for all these years. Yeah, and that's important because when you communicate with your top or bottom and you're using the phrase active bottoming, you don't want to make assumptions that you both mean the same thing. Absolutely. And in fact, when I said that I've encountered lately people who mean something different, I mean rope bottoms. So if I were to tie with those people and we were to discuss active bottoming as part of a negotiation, we would in fact be talking about completely different things. Yeah. And one very important thing um, that I think think we should say before we start is that we're not saying um, one of active versus passive rope bottoming um, is better. Um, and we're certainly not saying that you can't be an awesome rope bottom if you're a passive one. Um, although I will say sometimes it feels like there's a bit of a narrative that that's the case. But I wonder if that's because of this blurring between what we have thought of previously as active bottoming versus these other mm. ways people are using it. So so how are, how how do we use it in this podcast? Yeah, that seems that seems quite yeah. important to jump right in before we lose ourselves in a very abstract conversation. Yeah. So what does it mean for us? Uh, so for starters, this is the rope podcast. <laughs> the rope podcast is about rope bondage, and so we're talking about active bottoming in the context of rope. I think active bottoming as a concept can extend to other kinks other fetishy activities but that's not what we're talking about today today we're talking about rope only okay so what does it mean for us in rope in rope to us it means the way the bottom is going to engage their body and the actions the bottom is going to take mostly during the rope scene potentially it's a little bit in preparation of the rope scene and right after the rope scene, but mainly within the rope scene, the things that the bottom is going to physically, actively do in the rope. Okay. And so how else do people use it? Uh, in a load of ways, actually. So recently, things I've heard of including using active bottoming to mean what I would call bottom advocacy. So that is saying that bottoms matter. I very much agree that bottoms matter. Um, 
and talking about the needs of bottoms and talking about how to make things nice for bottoms in a scene. And in fact, we have an episode, Maya, on that very topic, what makes a nice rope scene for a bottom, right? Mm-hmm, we do. So we'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, another thing I have encountered is people meaning uh, bottom education, which is proactively researching the activities you're going to take part in before you do them. And we also think that's quite good, but we don't call that active bottoming. We call that bottom education within our, our lingo. And once again, our lingo is not necessarily your lingo, dear listener, and maybe the community you live in uses words differently. That's the whole point of this conversation. Then again, there's yet another thing which can be connected but doesn't have to be, and that is being a vocal bottom. As in, you're a bottom, you're giving feedback to your top as the scene is progressing. And you're not afraid to speak up when there's a problem with the rope, something hurts in a bad way, something is uncomfortable, or you need something to change. So that could be, for instance, a certain position doesn't work for you. That can be you need a certain wrap to be dressed. I think I think you like that, Maya, having certain wraps dressed at certain yeah, times. Yeah, I think many bottoms do, for sure. <laughs> so to me, that would be more being a vocal bottom. And once again, something I find desirable but something I separate as different from being... And also prevents you from being injured, that one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That one has certainly important implications about safety. Yeah. Uh, and then one last one, which I think you encountered, was the idea of the co-creation of the rope scene. Uh, once again, something I agree with, the idea that it doesn't have to be the top that brings all the scene material and decides on every aspect of the scene. It can be... Well, it can be the bottom doing that, like a bottom-led scene. There's nothing wrong with that. It's less common, but it's totally possible. But it can also be a co-creation between the two or more partners. Okay. So now that we've covered that, we're going to talk about active bottoming as things the bottom does mostly physically during the scene, just before, just after, that will enhance the scene. Okay. And so, um, for me, that starts with really the bottom knowing themselves and their body um, as a bottom in that bottoming, rope bottoming context, as well as possible. Okay, so what does that mean to you, Maya? Uh, it means knowing, to the degree anyone can, what you can and can't do in rope. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing how your body works. So that's both in an at- an, in an anatomical perspective um, in terms of like where the nerves are and um, how that interacts with ties and what might go wrong and also you personally because as we know um, our our nerves are different um, they can be in slightly different places that can give you sensitivities in specific ways so the, the better you know your body and what it can and can't do and what its physical uh, strengths and limitations are uh, the more you're going to be able to draw on those in active bottoming. Interesting. And as a top, you might think that everyone knows their body very well, but that's not necessarily true, right? No, that's definitely not true at all. So in um, for many of us, we have a really strong disconnect between our mind and our bodies. And for, for many people who are new to rope, they might just not really understand the positions you could get into in rope. They might not understand the consequences of an inversion and um, the need to 
you know, not have a completely empty tummy and have not eaten for six hours, but still not have a full tummy. Like there's there's a lot of stuff around milk that the more you can understand how the body works and how your body works, the better. So we have a friend who has a, a vagus nerve um, easily, easily triggered, and that would definitely be something you'd want to know about yourself uh, in milk. Both know about yourself and probably share and with tell, yeah, yeah. before I mean, the scene begins. So that's that's also, yeah, I mean, that's also a kind of um, a relevant thing. Obviously, this information can be helpful to share with your top as right. well. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this podcast and sharing it with you. But your support can really help us pay for the hosting, the equipment and other critical costs. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope tutorials and gear, so we get a small commission from your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, you could also donate to us directly on our Patreon, either as a one-off amount or monthly support that can be as little as the price of a cup of coffee. If you can't afford to do that, that's okay. Just enjoy the podcast and maybe tell a kinky friend or two about it. Now back to today's episode. So if I understand you're talking about knowing your strength and your weaker areas as a bottom before you get in the rope. Yeah, because if you know that, then when you're active bottoming, you are going to know what areas you might need to compensate for. So a really good example and probably the one that I see most often is the balance between strength and flexibility. So typically some people are stronger some people are more flexible typically again like not the same for every individual men tend to be stronger than they are flexible women tend to be more flexible than they are strong okay interesting um but those two things um are both important in rope so for Mm -hmm. me for example i am medium flexible so um my arms do indeed uh, bend back quite far. Yes, they do. Uh, as per the strapados, we do quite a lot of. Uh, my sp- spine is reasonably flexible, and I like torsions. My hips are reasonably flexible, but I am not very strong at all. So, um, what do you mean by that? So, I have a chronic health condition. My exercising tends to be exercises that aren't um, core exercises really working my uh, different muscles Mm -hmm. or my core muscles and so doing a pull-up using doing a a press-up or um, what do you call a sit-up I guess a crunch a crunch crunch. those things are harder for me to do and sometimes you need to do those in rope and sometimes those things are the things that help you protect from over flexibility Hmm. so if we think um about the uberos position that we did and which i'll I'll link to a photo from one of our profiles um that was a position where i am hanging from my hands my wrists and my ankles uh, and we did put um a hip line a single hip line on as well to support my hips because I wasn't able to um, push draw on my core strength to protect my lower back okay so essentially if we and we 
did hold it for a while, hanging there without um, doing any kind of active bottoming was causing a, a great deal of strain on my lower back. Hmm. And active bottoming in that position is um, engaging your core muscles um, by like pus- pushing your butt up a little bit or just um, tightening your abdominal muscles to protect that lower back from over stretching. Does that make sense? I think it does. And if I understand you correctly, that means both your strength and your ability to active bottom are a factor of how long you're going to be able to remain in the position in that case. How long you're going to remain in the position uninjured Okay. in certain cases. Which really is our preference. I think so, yeah. I mean, what I would say is you can do a lot of rope bottoming passively. You don't have to do positions mm-hmm. that create these stresses and strains on the body and I think that's quite important you do quite a lot of first time suspensions for people where you put a great deal of support like hip support uh, with a lot of wraps chest support with a lot of wraps head support um, lots of columns and single columns everywhere like you're giving those people a lot of support and so they don't need necessarily to engage any um, uh, strength or depending on the position huge amounts of flexibility because you've already put them in a position and supported them a great deal Mm -hmm. so i think this is more for positions that are um, challenging in different ways so where your strength or your flexibility has to compensate for a rope not being there okay that's super interesting and yeah definitely agree with you that's not a goal of every scene no And when we were talking about uptime, the goal of the scene is not necessarily to stay up for very long either. And there's nothing wrong with having a great suspension that only lasts a few minutes. Yeah, definitely. All right. So what might a bottom look out for in order to be active, Maya? Um, So ways, I think, or places to be active are in your warm-up. So preparing your body. So... It is my understanding. Now, uh, what we should both say is we're not physical trainers. So, um, you know, do your own research before going into this. But my understanding is that in order to uh, use muscles and be flexible, some warm-up is desirable. Um, Mm -hmm. Just to wake up your muscles, to activate them, to get the blood flowing. So some warm-up is uh, helpful. Okay. Um, Pain management... Um, is another place where you might be active so for me if I'm up in a suspension that might be about shifting my weight between suspension points so even in the suspension we're talking about there uh, which is very well supported um, it might be that you're you're pushing down a little bit more on your hips versus pushing down a little bit more on your chest to shift the weight around to give you relief in different areas I think this one is really important and interesting. And sometimes, Maya, you and I both play with a third person as a bottom. And I don't mean a fixed person in particular. I mean, that's the kind of dynamic we play in uh, regularly. And you tend to offer support and advice to newer bottoms in that context. Yes. When they're getting suspended for uh, their first time or one of their first times. And out of the advice I see you give other bottoms, this one seems to be very critical and seems to really make a big difference for them. Yeah, I think sometimes bottoms think that they're supposed to be immobile. Um, so, so I guess that's the other thing, making sure people have that understanding that there is an option to be passive or active. And also within a scene, 
you can be active and passive at different times. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure new people always understand that. And so that piece of advice, well, actually, you can shift your weight around. And maybe sometimes people are scared to put too, too much weight, in inverted commas, on one point in case mm-hmm. it's too much because they don't really know how suspension works, that kind of thing. So, well, yeah. they didn't know, but now that they've listened to this episode, <laughs> they will know. Well, that yeah, <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about pain? Um, so yeah, I think that's for me another place where you can um, use active bottoming. Um, so for me, there's a few different ways. Um, breathing is one of them. So the way that you engage your breath uh, is a way that you can manage um, pain. And that really um, takes me to what the description of Uh, pain management techniques within this context would be which is active pain management techniques when you are drawing on something specific uh, to manage your pain within the scene as opposed to just having a really high tolerance of pain so there there are some people who can hang in a single foot of rages and they're not engaging any active pain management techniques they just like hanging in that position okay Um, whereas for me i do like that position but i I'm going to have to draw on some pain management techniques, whether it's uh, breathing, whether it's telling myself that we've only got five minutes left or I just have to bear another five minutes, whether it's listening to support and praise from the rigor. Like, there's lots of different things that I can do, whether it's um, engaging certain muscles to pull on different parts of the futo um, so that the different parts of my um, leg take different weight whether it's engaging the muscles in my hip so that there's not too much pressure on my hip uh, in depending on which way the foot is anchored like there's a million ways that you can do active pain management okay that sounds extremely useful i think we have an episode on pain management though. i think we do (laughs) an older one but it's maybe worth revisiting we will also probably link to that um, one thing we seem to see a lot of recently something that seems to be popular at the moment is torsions So when the spine of the model is twisted, do you find that to be an active bottoming kind of position? Uh, I think that's somewhere where you really want to be balancing and protecting your spine because the top, middle and bottom of your spine probably have different flexibilities Um, So and and in different directions as well. So uh, how to describe... So my... The bottom of my spine is very good going backwards and forwards, mm-hmm. um, but the top of my spine is much better twisting around side to side. Okay, so depending on the type of twist you're attempting or the rigor is trying to put you into, as the bottom you have a choice to do that twist more from your lower back or more from your upper yeah. back, and that's going to feel different to you. Yeah, and elongating the body, like really pulling up in your body is another way of engaging your muscles and also the way you push into the rope versus you pull on another rope like there's lots of different ways that you can use the rope that's on you um, to help you like twist more or or even twist less like push back against the twist very slightly all right very nice what about movement in the rope can the bottom decide to move in the rope and change the position or is that a privilege that's only with the rigor 
Um, yeah, so we can move our body for safety. So what we were talking about there, I mean, those honestly, those movements, I suspect the rigor wouldn't be able to see most of them. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're small well, muscle micro movements. Yeah. So um, for your safety, I think those are very important. Uh, for comfort as well, um, I think it helps. So shifting between the suspension points to shift pressure tends to be a bit more about comfort at least in the first instance um so that can be uh, useful um but then there is also a piece which you maybe will have discussed with your rigor in advance a bit more which is about making the position work mm-hmm. um so we talk about this uh, in a minute but the running man position is a position which you, you just you couldn't do without active bottoming well you could do, but you'd have to like have another fifty ropes. Yeah, maybe. you'd need a lot of rope to enforce every yeah. single joint into yeah. the right. If you angle. slump in a uh, running man tie, then it will it's not look like a running man. man. Yeah. Also, it's almost always like oh, it's much more often a running woman. But mm. side note. All right, true that the running person, the, the running, running person, person the runner, <laughs> the runner. <laughs> uh, at the extreme of that, you also have the idea that. If the bottom has, let's say, a chest harness and a single corner on one ankle, the bottom themselves are about to move between a variety of positions depending on their fitness and their flexibility and their strength and so on. And so I had a partner who was a professional acrobat and I would just put like two bits of rope on her and she would be like jumping around and twirling around on her own while I went to the next room to read a book. Just kidding, I was actually staying in the same room for safety reasons. But uh, that was like, I guess, the extreme active end of the spectrum where she would do the positions by herself without any need for me, just using the rope as a support as she would do in aerial silks, for instance. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then the last area where you might decide to move your body is to make the position look better. So this is more subtle, I think. Um, so the position you're in might be working, um, but we know that there are things which um, aesthetically human beings find more pleasing, uh, whether it's uh, symmetry, so balancing yourself in the rope so that you're um, even, okay. uh, whether it's the classic uh, pointed toes, which annoys me, but indeed it does make, it does make a difference, better. doesn't yeah. it? I mean, yeah. look at ballet dancing. There's a lot of pointed toes and it looks kind of good. Indeed, yeah. Um, so there are um, things to make your position look better. It might be uh, lifting your chest a bit more. Um, I mean, there's lots of, again, probably micro adjustments, but if you have a more savvy rigor, then they'll definitely notice. Okay. Do you think there's any room for being an active bottom in aftercare? Uh, I think so. Looking after your body just as you did with your warm-up. So it might be a warm-down. I don't think we see that very often. Um, but it might be about uh, taking a shower or a bath to cool your muscles down appropriately. I, I think this is an area I don't know so much about because the type of bottom I do is not... Uh, I don't have that strength to engage. You don't do much circus rope. I don't do much circus rope, no. But I think if you were doing stuff, the same kind of stuff that you were doing in aerial sinks, it was it's silks and it was a very gymnastic type of rope, then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that would be relevant. All right. And then in aftercare, there are other ways for the bottom to be active, like giving a massage to the top if they want to do that or other nice activities but i don't know if we're still within i don't the think that yeah bottoming that that is that 
a di- that feels to me like a different type I would, of... I would agree. So obviously, if you are listening to this and thinking, oh, I'm kind of interested in being an active bottoming rope, uh, there's probably like some preparation, some training you might need to go through in order to do that more easily. And things like stretching, Maya mentioned warming up, which can be important. Uh, I think training in some disciplines like yoga, circus activities, aerial, silks, hoops, pole dance, ballet, whatever, are all things you can draw from to build the kind of body and the kind of skills that's going to allow you to do that if that is what you're interested in doing. And I will say that's a big if. Yeah, and it seems to me, if I think about the bottoms, the most active bottoms, and that includes many of the rope performers and rope educators, they have some cross-discipline piece. Yeah, okay. So they're a circus person or they're um, like your professional acrobat who Mm -hmm. you tied. Um, Those people tend to be very active bottoms um, because... The tr- the cross training seems relevant. Yeah, and there's also a little piece about some bottoms enjoying that dynamic of training for a specific position. Um, our, our pal Cookie Monster uh, was once training for a long time to achieve a certain position. I think you can uh, link to uh, her photo of that. And recently, I was seeing her status updates where she's saying she was training for a different kind of splits for a different position she wants to achieve soon. So if you're the kind of bottom who likes to have a specific challenge or a specific goal to work towards, uh, that that can be something quite fun for you, I think. Yeah, and understanding what your goals are, I think, is a useful thing to know in terms of how you might want to do your active bottoming. Because it can take a great deal of time (laughs) to train um, for these different positions or to train your core muscles or to be more flexible. All right. So it does take a lot of time, but it also can come with some measurable benefits, uh, such as protecting your joints. Yeah. And if you're someone who's hypermobile or hyperflexible, you might actually kind of need that to do rope in a safer way, because if your joints are at risk, then building stronger muscle around them might be a good idea. Yeah. So that's that flexibility, strength, um, Mm -hmm. duo, really at the extremes and and I think having a bit more of those skills can also help you not burn out as quickly if you're doing a lot of rope if if you're someone who's really lucky and you're doing rope multiple times a week or if you go to multi-days conventions and you want to make sure that you can enjoy the whole convention and not be destroyed after two days of it then training your body a bit in those ways seems useful yep definitely alright so Maya what do you think of the safety of active bottoming in general I think it's an interesting one because um, on the one hand, uh, as you just said, the more that you learn to use your muscles, the more you can protect yourself. But if you're trying to be active, but you do it wrong, um, I think looking at people do that, you could easily injure yourself. Okay, that makes sense. Because if you're doing nothing, well, you're doing nothing good, but you're also doing nothing bad. Whereas if you start trying to be active, but you're being active in the wrong way, you could actually be doing harm to yourself, I suppose. Yeah, potentially. And so if a newer bottom wanted to learn ways to engage their muscles properly and so on, what would you advise they do, Maya? Um, I think those complementary disciplines that we talked about are all useful. Um, And I would add on to that mobility or movement classes um, and even a personal trainer 
trainer uh, or a physical trainer, I think, can help you to understand your own body better and really getting to know your body. And there's probably such a thing as a kink-aware personal trainer, right? I am sure there are. Not Probably not in Bangkok, although who knows? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that sounds fun. A uh, little sidebar, if you're going to do this type of bottoming, you might want to make sure that your clothes, if you're wearing any clothes, because, like, naked works well for that if you're wearing any clothes you want to make sure that they're going to support the kind of movements and stretches and so on that you're going to try to do in the rope because i have actually encountered that situation where the person is very flexible but the clothes the person has chosen for the scene are not and then it can get <laughs> awkward <laughs> yeah all right what do you think of the scene dynamic of active bottoming maya Um, I think it's interesting, and we talked a bit earlier about um, how it can potentially change that scene dynamic, uh, especially if you haven't talked about it in advance or mm -hmm. considered it in advance, uh, and make it a bottom-led scene um, rather than a top-led scene, which in itself there's nothing wrong with. It's more about discussing it and making sure you both agreed it in advance. Yeah, I think culturally you need to make sure that your top is okay with that and that's something they're interested in. And depending on what culture your top comes from, it might not be something they've been exposed to before. Yeah, yeah. Um, but watching um, various videos online and watching a bottom twist their uh, body into different uh, positions and then the rigger follow those positions, that's really the bottom leading with their active bottoming rather than the top Um, directing the scene and as the top remember that if your bottom is doing those things they're probably going to end up making you look good because <laughs> the positions are going to be very impressive and the audience probably is going to believe it's all you doing it when in fact the bottom is really bringing a lot of that yeah and it might be that the bottom just can't hold the position that you've put them in mm. um, which is useful feedback so there are ways where places where that might be good so newer tops Um, service tops or if the top is stuck um, maybe they want to solicit suggestions from the bottom um, about where to take the scene now mm -hmm. and the freeform rope suspension class that we did um, I think was very much that partner dynamic around it yeah it was wasn't it yeah all right uh, I think also a space where active bottoming can really shine is photo shoots Okay. Because usually you're trying to achieve, or one type of photo shoot at least, is the one where you're trying to achieve a more flashy position. And usually active bottoming can make a big difference in those circumstances. Although personally, I quite like the aesthetics of a more passive bottoming style. So I think it's quite subjective. Is it out of interest? Is it the aesthetics or the feeling of um, being in control? Oh, if I'm playing... It's the feelings for sure. But if I'm looking at a photograph, I also enjoy the aesthetics of a more passive, melty, uh, submissive, I guess, bottom. So in, besides being a rope top, I'm also uh, dominant in a power exchange with you, Maya. And so I do enjoy people being in a submissive posture. Do you, you don't think that's active? I think um, you can be... I mean, I don't know if this is off, but I think you can be an active bottom and actively bottoming into a submissive position in rope. Yes. Okay, that's correct. I was more thinking in my head about submitting to the rope, if that makes sense. Okay. As in, 
letting the rope control you in that sense. But yes, you can totally do active bottoming as an act of submission. I don't. I, it's interesting. I wonder if one can always tell. Um, I, I think not so is, much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, looping back to that, do you think a bottom always wants to be active? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think um, it takes a lot of effort. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and depend. whilst it has a lot of advantages that we've um, kind of talked about, it could potentially hinder being able to melt or relax into the rope. So if we're doing, again, that, running man position mm -hmm. um that's not a relaxing rope for me it's not right um although to be fair we do a lot of very painy rope and i don't know if that's relaxing either but it's a different kind of active it seems to me and i'm not a bottom so i'm just talking about what i've heard other bottoms say that some bottom enjoy play more when they can be more passive and receive the sensations as opposed to having to do something And that's definitely a matter of personal preference. But if you are that bottom, I think you really don't need to force yourself to be active if you don't want to be. Like, be the bottom you want to be and find the partners that match that. Yeah, and one thing I would also say, because I, I think this has kind of been raised to my attention by watching more and more videos, is that um, some people active bottom without really thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So if you are a highly trained gymnast or a highly trained yoga teacher or whatever, then there's m micro movements you're probably doing that you might not be super aware of um, and other people just might not know how to do. Um, I think it, it, one of the big disadvantages is it does need long-term proactive commitment. You have to develop a whole set of muscles that you might not have. Mm -hmm. You have to practice moving in different ways. You have to understand the, um, what do they say, the inverse of the positions that you're doing because mm -hmm. the muscles the other side um, are doing something. And so it really, there's a great deal of effort involved in active bottoming. Um, and I think that is a con, honestly, because for most of us, Well, it can be a con if it makes you feel inadequate as a bottom, which it shouldn't. Yeah. Because once again, you can be the kind of bottom you want to be. Um, and honestly, as a top, I'm really not sure I prefer an athletic, very active bottom to a more sensual, more passive one, for instance. Um, yeah, and I think one of the challenges here is around body image for bottoms. So often uh, the classes that I've seen on people teaching, um, the bottoms in the classes that I've seen around the more active bottom stuff, um, they make it look super easy in positions that I absolutely know from having done. The positions are really hard. Mm. And those people have been circus performers, yoga teachers, acrobats, Like what they do in their non-king life is often highly complimentary, which is amazing and they look beautiful, um, but it can mean that it's a bit disheartening um, or even honestly unobtainable. Like if you're, um, you know, not in your 20s, then starting now, it's a, a lot, a steeper, steeper slope to get to where <laughs> those 20-somethings are. Uh, um, yeah, and once again, it's a slope, but it's completely okay to decide you don't want to climb. Yeah. Uh, and and also to decide that you do like mm -hmm. either way is fine and as a side note i would love to see in these professional 
rope bottom uh, active bottoming type videos a more like regular person picked out of a rope class uh, you know a place where they go to a rope jam once a week maybe they tie with their partner once a week they have an office job Mm -hmm. maybe they go to the gym once a week but like they're just a kind of average fitness yeah um and i'd love to see them also do the positions that the teachers demonstrate just to give people a bit of an understanding look what this person is doing is really difficult and it's Mm. okay if you can't do it okay fair i mean diversity in words is one thing but diversity in actual demonstration is another yeah and and that is about like the body as well as um all of the characteristics of the body all right so in a nutshell active bottoming not everyone agrees exactly on what it is if and this episode today was a more strongly opinionated one i think uh if you don't necessarily agree with everything we said feel free to leave a comment uh in the fed live write-up for this episode and we're very chill if you don't if you yeah. disagree with us we don't we, mind we don't pretend to own the truth at Not all and at we're all. very happy to open a discussion about it uh, and yeah, I would say active bottoming, decide if that's what you want, if it's not what you want, maybe it's what you want on Monday and on Wednesday, you want to be a ragdoll and that's like super fine. And I promise you that, uh, you will find tops that enjoy both. And within the scene itself, maybe there's a part of the scene that you want to do some active bottoming in and the rest you're very physically relaxed. Very true. So that's all from us at the Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. You can also find all the ways to support us on our website, ropepodcast.com. We also love questions from listeners, so drop us a message on FET and we'll try to answer you in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.